In this episode, we're going to talk to Shahana and Hari. Hari is originally from India. Shahana is from the UK. And they both met several years ago in Germany. The story is special, very special, um, if I could say so. Because when they met, Hari was a monk. So due to his monkhood, he um, wasn't allowed to talk to women just if um, it has to do with the service he provided, but um, it was not common to just talk to a woman. This is what happened when they met. He started talking to Shahana. He felt that there was a lot of energy between them. In general, we talk a lot about energy in this episode, which is um, super interesting and super inspiring. And he was afraid that he will get into something very serious. So he decided to ghost Shahana. She made a Facebook request and he just denied this Facebook request. They would see each other again one year later and there was still this strong energy. There was still this connection. What happened afterwards is a story Shahana and Hari can tell you guys a little bit better. Enjoy this episode and listen to their full story. With this said, I'm welcoming Shahana and Hari in today's episode. Thank you so much for your time, guys. Thank you. Tina and Nacho, nice to be with both of you. How are you doing today? How is how is life? How is it being reunited again after so many months? It's actually, I don't know, it just doesn't feel real. You know, we've imagined this moment so many times. We've talked about it. And when I actually saw him at the airport, um, I remember just freezing and just thinking, is that him? And I just froze and he noticed me straight away. He recognized me. But for me, it took me a while. I just stood there for a bit. And then I walked towards him, but I felt like my body had frozen a bit because I was walking really slowly. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just like thinking, wait, this this is him and this is it. Yeah, it was just a bit of a shock for me. But it was nice. It was really nice. It still feels like a dream sometimes. I think for me, it's somehow from the moment we, we basically were, so just so you know where we are, we're quarantining in a little cottage in an English seaside village near Dartmouth. And it's a little town, about 150 people. We rented this beautiful cottage right on the river because, you know, we're supposed to quarantine for two weeks, at least as I'm coming to the States. So we're quarantining together and, you know, we're cooking all our meals together. We're, we're waking up together. We're going for walks together. And um, I'll be honest with you, for me, I'm really appreciating the small things in life. I'm really appreciating the ability to just sit next to her and have breakfast in the mornings. And I'm, I'm really appreciating the ability to just, hey, let's go for a walk. I want to hold your hand, you know, because... When you've been dating a voice for 10 months, so just being able to cook her a meal and watch her smile because she loves what I'm cooking, being able to do these small things like reading our favorite books together and talking about our favorite stories and watching a movie, we, you know, we don't get to watch a movie together. The time difference makes it almost impossible. So I'm having this emotional experience of just really appreciating the small things in our relationship. For me, they're the biggest things in life right now. And um, also, I'm just discovering what it's like to, to um, be close to her outside of like you know um how do i explain when you're in long distance you kind of talk when you're both free you know like i'll talk to her when i'm off of work 
and she'll call me when we're walking. She's walking on the train station. We don't really know what each other is like when we're in the midst of dealing with many projects and taking care of things. So now I see her doing her work and she sees me doing my work and we're like discovering a whole new dimension to our personality, you know, and how can we support each other as we stay very busy in our lives. So it's, I think it's been really wonderful to, to kind of appreciate the small things and sort of see the fullness of our individual personalities in different dimensions, you know, not just when we're free, but throughout the day, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely yeah. been a learning curve. I feel like I feel like I thought I knew him, but then you know, while we're quarantining to, quarantining together, I feel like I'm just knowing a whole new side to him, and it's nice. It's nice. It's like we're rediscovering our relationship in person. Are you still in quarantine right now? Second week starts to tomorrow. Yeah, we just finished the first ah, week. Okay, so you're twenty four seven together. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we were far away, and now we're like stuck together, and we can't really, you know, we can't not do that. Yeah, but it's amazing that it's working out so well because um, I can only imagine that it might be a little bit different in the beginning because you have to adapt and you have to get used to because, of course, back home you are individuals living your life. As you said, Harry, you were working, um, you both are working. And um, there's a time difference of how many hours exactly? Six hours. So when, when he wakes up, my day is pretty much like almost finished. And when his day finishes, I'm sleep most of the time so now you are on the same continent the same country basically together 24 7 and it's just so heartwarming to see how you're dealing with it because it can be quite a challenge in the beginning even though if you're so excited for that moment and then suddenly it happens and you're like oh wow okay i have butterflies i have so many emotions and uh, you said earlier shana that's like it's like an roller coaster right You manage to see each other after 10 months of being apart and have to go in quarantine together. And I also saw your Instagram and I saw that Harley was cooking for you quite often. And it's just lovely to see how you adapted, knowing that you are basically going to spend a lot of time together within the next few days. So for me, it was very lovely to see that. You know, one thing I was just want to add to you that we just recognized is You know, I think the reason why we were able to hit the ground running, we have this expression in America, you hit the ground running, is because we've done a lot of hard work on our relationship in the past 10 months because we didn't have the normal things that a couple would have to feel like connected. You know, we, we couldn't go on dates, we couldn't hold hands, we couldn't watch movies together, we couldn't do a lot of physical things together just in person. I couldn't see her emotional react, I couldn't cook for her. So we had to really find things in our relationship. Why are we together? If we can't do any of the things that a couple does, why are we together? So we had to really go deep in our relationship and find out that we are connected at a very spiritual, at a very emotional level. We understand each other in a way that goes beyond this superficial. And so therefore, we have something really valuable to kind of protect and nurture. And so when we came together, you know, at least we both energetically felt like we're together and we're meant to be together. And so, you know, it's just wonderful to be together, you know, because a lot of that deep work that prepared us for being close to each other. So for how long do you know each other already? We've known of each other for over three years now, actually. Um, Almost four. Yeah, four years. Yeah, I think it's four years now. He was a monk. I was just a spiritual seeker. And we actually came to the same temple. I wanted to just learn more about spirituality and just immersed myself in it for him he was serving at that temple he was doing some work and he was doing lots of work actually and his teacher was there as well and 
um, that's when we first met actually about four years ago. It was about 2017 February. 2017 February is when it almost got almost four years ago. And uh, we had a brief exchange, a brief conversation. I was a monk in the monastery at the time. And so, you know, we are practicing or training to be celibate. I joined the monastery when I was in 2013. So I was 27 years old at the time when I joined the monastery. And I'd already been practicing celibacy for three and a half years because I was already practicing meditation and yoga in a very serious, committed way. So I met her in 2017 at a temple in Germany and we um, had a brief exchange. She was the first woman I, for in years, I hadn't felt this way at all in years and years and years. I looked at her and I thought, you know what, if I get to know this girl, she's going to end up costing me my, my, my monastic life. Like this is going to be the end of my monkhood. I just thought, oh, this is like, okay, I got, I got to stay away. And then I did something I haven't done in years. I was serving lunch to all the guests and we generally were trained not to just casually chit chat with women. We, we don't, we didn't do that. You know, we were monks. We don't just talk to girls unless there's some sort of service and then I would talk to you, but I'm not going to just, Let's let's go for a walk and get to know each other. We don't do that with women, you know. But so I was serving lunch, and I she came to get her plate, and I just said, "So where are you from?" <laughs> I, I've never done such a thing, you know. And I had like a brief, like three or five minute conversation. She was like, "I'm from London. I'm from Boston. You're a song. And I was like, "Wow, that's really interesting." You know, I was really fascinated. Neuroscience. That's really cool. She's like, I'm researching meditation, and I was like, "Wow, that's even more interesting." And I I just felt like I wanted to get to know her more. And then she asked me, "Like, where are you from?" And but then I, I knew like internally, like I shouldn't be doing this. So I just, at one point, I just abruptly cut off the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and she thought I was so rude. You know? And so for the rest of the, the rest of the time that we were at this temple that she was visiting for a special event, and I was busy organizing. She was busy assisting with services. She would see me from a distance. I would see her from a distance. I always felt a spark, a desire to want to get to know her, but I was holding myself back. Throughout that whole event, you know, I just did that. And then. You know, oh, yeah. So I, I saw him and, you know, like, we had a conversation. I thought, oh, he's so nice. He's friendly. He's talking to me. Because you know, I was new to the temple. I didn't really know anyone. So I thought I'd made a friend. And then, you know, I asked him where he was from or how old he was and just abruptly cut the conversation and walked off. And then he came back to me, actually, and he gave me ideas for my project. And I was thinking, wow, so he's going to just ignore me like that and then tell me what to do for my project. So I thought he was quite arrogant. <laughs> and, but I kind of was attracted to him also, and I wanted to get to know him more. And every time I saw him, I was just conscious that he was in the room. I was conscious about everything he was doing. And I just I was just really impressed with the way he was just serving and just doing so much to help others. Um, but I was also trying to make up excuses in my mind not to fall for him or have a crush on him. Because I was kind of just going through a phase in life where I wanted to discover myself and I didn't want to get into a relationship or anything like that. And it's funny because we barely knew each other, but I was already imagining, you know, oh my God, I can't be in a relationship with him because of this, because of this, because of that. And we didn't even know each other. But yeah, every year I saw him after that, um, I just avoid him. I'd be too scared to even be in the same room with him. I'd be like, oh my God, like, what if he, what if he sees me? What if he sees well, me messing we, up? Before we get to the future years, there was a little bit of a detail that I'd like to find out. When this current event ended, I went back to Colorado because I was serving at a temple in Colorado and Denver. And she sent me a Facebook friend request. Yeah. And I got this Facebook friend request. And I thought to myself, you know, I know if I talk to this girl, my life is going to change drastically. So I just deleted her friend request. Well, oh. I stalked. I kind of stalked him a little bit. How did you know um, his Facebook name? Did you just search for his full name on Facebook? I knew his name. Um, whenever anyone would talk about him in the temple, I'd listen extra carefully. <laughs> <laughs> He's always asking questions. You know, After every class he had, he'd always ask like hundreds of questions. And I just knew of him. Um, 
And after retreat, I added everybody that I met and I added him as well. And for some reason, I never checked anyone else, but I kept going back on his account and checking if he'd accepted it. And then I think it was like a week or two later, I realized he'd rejected it. And I was thinking, wow, he really is arrogant. He rejected my friend request. How could he? And then, um, and then the following year, we were back at the same temple for the same event. And she, I knew going into the event, I was already in the back of my mind thinking, I wonder if she's going to come. And, you know, she's a very pretty girl and she's from London. She's very educated. She's very smart. And I always thought to myself, okay, this year I'll see her with some guy from the community holding hands, you know, already in a relationship. Somebody's going to snatch her. But I saw her again. She was just with the girl, just talking to the girl. And I thought, oh, good, she's still single. But I don't know why I thought that way. I mean, I was for a month. We yeah. barely spoke to each other. We were very conscious of each other. Like, I remember whenever she would pass by me in the stairs, I would feel this, like, energy, you know? Like, just even if her, like, even if, like, her sweater touched my sleeve or something, I would feel some tension. <laughs> and if she wasn't, and I remember at one point, there was some, she was cleaning the temple room, and I offered, like, somehow I was asked to help her. So I was like, no, no, it's okay. I'll take care of the whole thing. You just leave. Like, get her to leave, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I was, I was trying to be polite. I was like, you know, like, I'll help you. You don't have to do this all, your, all, all by yourself. And you just grab another guy and you're like, I'll do it with him. <laughs> you know, I, was I was just scared of him, you know. I had to ask him questions for certain things, you know, like where certain stuff was that I had to do some work. And I was so scared to ask him. I remember standing outside the kitchen for like at least 20 minutes once, just hesitating to even approach him with my friend. And she was also like, He's like, why are you so scared? He's so nice. I was like, no, he's mean. He's mean. He's scary. When you wrote us, so I asked for your story, or we asked for your story, and you told us that you thought he's hating you because he really ignored you. He ignored me. He wouldn't even look me in the eye. And it's like we had that conversation a year ago, you know. So I thought, you know, acknowledging me, you know, I'm here, I'm a human, but he would just not even look me in the eye. He just walked straight past me. He's always, he'd be nice to everyone else. So I literally thought I did something to offend him. I thought, you know what? I always thought back, like, what did I ask him that day to make him abruptly walk away? I asked him his age and where he was from. And maybe, maybe asking his age was an insult. Or, you know, I, I was thinking of so many things. Yeah, and from my side, this festival that takes place every year, I'm sort of one of the organizers. So because of that position, I have to tell people what to do. I have to talk to people. I have to assign people to services. But I still remember, like, whenever her name would come up in a meeting and they were asking me, like, where do you think we should get heard, you know? I would be like, I don't know, I would always feel this, like, weird feeling in my heart, like, oh, I get to decide what she's going to be doing. <laughs> Then I had to, like, you know, during the event, she would ask me questions, and I would purposely keep my interactions with her as short as possible, you know, because I, I was worried that she might get a sense that I was somewhat, I don't know, I was attracted to her. And then anyway, then the next year, the way it worked out was in 2019, I came back to America, like, Chicago, and I decided for different reasons that I don't think I should be a monk anymore, because, um, I just felt like my challenges in life were not so dynamic. Like I wanted to learn more and grow more and things have become very predictable. It's kind of like you've been doing a job. So you work in a factory and you're doing the same job for like five years. You, you get a sense of like what to expect. Every day starts to look so I wanted some more energy and dynamic sort of, you know, just changes. And so I thought, you know what, well, maybe I should get a partner and, you know, start a relationship, a spiritual relationship where we work together to improve the world and make a difference and help each other and be friends. And so I first went to my teacher, my guru, and I asked his advice. He thought it would be very good for me to, to find a suitable partner. He told me to look for somebody with certain qualities. Because, you know, we're all individuals and we get along well with certain people more than others. So he gave me sort of like a little, he gave me some advice on what kind of person to look for. And I came back to um, Chicago after meeting him in, in, in Germany. 
And I, um, I sent her a Facebook friend request. I was being nice. I didn't do what he did. I did not do what he did. It was the first, you know, I, I, uh, it was one of the first questions that came to my mind. I'm like, well, I wonder if she's still single. Let me just check it out. So I sent her a Facebook friend request and I said, hey, did you finish your master's yet? That's all I said. <laughs> this was like, what, two years after a conversation? <laughs> Where he's been ignoring me the whole time for the years after two years ago I was like so what are you doing she's like I'm doing a master's two years later I'm like is it done yet like what's going on with that and uh, that's where he picked it up from and, and it was literally the way I would describe it was I felt like we both had so much connection it was like waiting to be unleashed that's how I felt you know, she was in London I was in Chicago we started sending each other Facebook messages that were like half a page long oh yeah I remember notes. you kind of like got scared after the first yeah, but it was. And you, so ran, you ran away. He ghosted me. Yeah, I, I, the, after the first days, it was so intense because we were already opening up so much. I was like, "Whoa, this is way too fast." You know, I just, I, I was in the monastery for six years. Like, I'm not. I already feel like I'm becoming close to this person. So I again stepped back a couple of days. And right? I was but thinking, I, yeah, I was thinking, wow, is this the conversation? You know, he spoke to me, and now he's disappeared again. Is he going to ignore me for another ten years or what? <laughs> And then when we got going, we got going, right? We started talking in May or June of last year. And then like a month later, we committed to each other to be in a three-month trial phase. The trial didn't happen. We were then, already committed. We were committed. <laughs> and then I came to visit her last year in October in London for the first time. and met her family. She met, you know, then she went to India that November. She met my parents. Uh, and then ever since then, we've just been long distance. Well, actually, long, yeah, last year in November, was it? October, I met your parents. Yeah, you came in September. Just a little over a year ago. So you went to to India, or did I misunderstand, to meet his parents and family? So she had already planned the trip to India that winter, and it just so happened. So before we even started talking, she had already planned a trip to go to India. So because she was already going, I there, you're like three hours away from my parents, and I had my parents go to meet her and take her out to dinner and kind of approve. You know, Indian families, there's a lot of culture, like tradition, like parents have to be involved and they have to approve your choice. So I had my parents go and meet me. My mom said, my mom was very happy. She said, you know, I, I'd given up hope. We've been single for over 10 years. Like, I didn't think I was ever going to have a daughter-in-law. But, uh, you know, I really like her. She's a sweet girl. My mom was very happy, so. I mean, I know already you're like somehow your future plans. Um, but was that the moment your family, uh, Harry approved? And that was also the moment where you guys knew that, well, what's going to happen most probably, hopefully next year so that you're going to, to get married? Um, was that part of, of the plan for her to get to know your family, for your family to approve? And then for afterwards, you would basically go the next step this is how it works <laughs> exactly yeah so the, right so the way yeah so i'd met her i'd met her parents i liked her she liked me but you know it's very important for our parents to also be involved so then once my parents said yeah she's good we like her we decided that we would this this year this current year we were supposed to be engaged in november of this year we made plans in january to get engaged at the end of the year in the temple that we met that was our plan that we would have sort of a little ceremony and engagement ceremony in this temple. But then, as we all know, come March and the whole world is sneezing and coughing, <laughs> there's a virus that's been unleashed and nobody can go anywhere and every, the whole world is put on lockdown. So all our, you know, we, we kept thinking, okay, we were thinking, okay, like April, mm -hmm. May, okay, we'll wait till April, May, see how the world situation is. Okay, June, July, let's see. 
I think up until June or July, we were holding on to some hope. We also, we also felt it's important to have our closest friends and family there. You know, and now that we know you're in Germany, we want to invite you as well. <laughs> if you ever do get engaged, we want you all to be there for us. So we don't want to have an engagement just like five of us, you know, really hard, you know, like, like a cameraman and okay. And so we're gonna wait, we're gonna wait till, mm. till the world comes down, calms down a little bit and then have like a proper ceremony, um, hopefully like a small ceremony in Europe and then a proper wedding in America. Um, that's our plan. You said already that you're both very spiritual. Um, but I guess none of you expected to for things to develop like they actually did. Because what I sense um after what you were saying, Harry, is that You were a little bit afraid in the beginning where this might lead because everything happened so fast. So the moment you got in contact again, after basically almost not talking for approximately two years, um, you felt like there's a strong bond between you and that somehow freaked you out. Or did I misunderstand this? Yeah, it freaked me out. It definitely <laughs> freaked me out. Because the thing is, I had a plan, you know. Um, I've been a monk for so many years and I know that... It, For, for example, just practically speaking, it takes money to have a family and be in a relationship, you know? So I don't have a career right now. I'm going, I'm applying to graduate school to get my master's, you know, to get my master's in business so I can go back to the court. I mean, I worked as a producer for six years in television before I became a monk. So I have a lot of professional experience, but I needed to find a good way to maintain and support my family. So in my mind, I was thinking I'll, you know, I'll come out of the monastery. I'll spend a year or two building my career. And once my career is sort of clear, Then I'll get into a relationship and, you know, things will go from there. But I started talking to her and things were just happening so fast. I'm like, wait, I, I, I can't give her anything yet. I, can't, I don't have a house. I don't have a job. <laughs> you know, I don't have much. You know? And so that's why I was kind of freaking out because I was like, I needed to, I wanted to a little bit, you know, in order to take care of her. Um, and so that's why I freaked out. But then I thought, you know what? It's happening naturally. We like each other. So let's just see where this goes. <laughs> And where is it going in the future? I mean, you have plans of getting married soon, um, so next year. And what is the plan afterwards? As you said, Harry, um, you're going to focus on your um, master's degree um, for the next few months. But the whole picture, what is what is your, your plan for the future? Well, for me, I'm going to be moving to America, which is going to be a really big change. You know, we've talked about it a lot. And... We both feel it's best that I live there. Um, and it's going to be a big change for me. I do want to get more into photography. It's what I do part-time. And I also want to, because I did study neuroscience, so maybe just do something part-time, which is in relation to that as well. Um, but to be honest, I haven't really thought about it too much. With with Curry Sham, he's very, he's very figured out. He knows what he wants to do. And with me, I kind of just go with the flow and see what I'm feeling and go with that and I always follow my heart a lot which is kind of it's nice because I feel good about it but practically it's not very clear for a lot of people what I want to do or where I want to go or how I'm going to do things but for me it just kind of just everything figures itself out eventually and do you feel like as long as you with him that things will basically just be fine and that everything will be all right because you feel stronger yeah Yeah, definitely. Like I know right now, obviously, um, when I met him, he didn't have a job or anything. And 
he was very concerned about that. He's like, how am I going to, you know, support our relationship and what am I going to contribute? To me, I'm like, I don't mind, you know, as long as we're together, we'll figure something out. We'll go somewhere, we'll find something to do. Um, it doesn't have to be big, but I think, you know, what we're feeling is stronger than all of these temporary conditions that will probably improve in the future anyways. Yeah. I think for me, I have a much more, I always say this to Shahana, my actions are first, emotions come later. So I figure out a lot of things about my life, what I'm going to do, what I'm the steps I'm going to take. Later on come the emotions and how I feel when I do those things. With her, it's like the emotion comes first, then comes the action. So I always have a lot of clarity on what I'm going to be doing. I don't have as much emotional clarity. She always has a lot of emotional clarity, but not so much action clarity. You know, kind of a, a good combination that way. But as far as sort of our life goes into the future, now it's like, what, December of 2020? We are planning on getting married in 2021. And, and, and hopefully by the summer of this coming year, she'll be living with me in America as I start my master's degree. And then the plan is to you know, study for two years for me and then you know start my career and find a good job. And, and that, those two years, I'm just really excited to have someone to share those two years with. You know, we'll, we'll be a little poor. We don't have much money, which is all right. I'm just excited to be able to share our little small apartment and we'll cook for each other and we'll just be together. And, you know, um, she's, it's, it's nice. I'm looking forward to being in school with a partner with whom I can really be a friend, you know, like I can just see myself having long, stressful days and coming home to find that she's made banana bread and she's like happy to hang out with me and go for a walk and talk and lighten my day with her cheerfulness <laughs> and her photography and her art and her creativity. And she's just, just so creative and like colorful, you know. I wish I could be like her, but I'm not. So that's why it's a really nice, you know. <laughs> yeah, I also feel the same way. You know, there's so many qualities that he has that I want to be more like, and obviously I can't because I'm me and he's him. But I feel like um, with our personalities, we really complement each other. He keeps me grounded because otherwise I'd probably float away into the clouds, you know, if I didn't have him. <laughs> and that's who I am. And yeah, we will be poor, but I feel like. We'll be very rich with memories and experiences, and I feel that's what will take us take us through life, really, more than money and anything else. Experiences and valuable moments, and just moments that make us laugh. Delta seems like you are very present. You are in the moment, and you are enjoying the moment. And of course, you have plans, you have a vision, you have expectations. But for me, I can only talk for myself. But I think Nacho is going to agree. It feels like. You are living the moment and you know that whatever is going to come, it will be fine. So you trust the future. You trust that things will develop the way they're supposed to. And this is very, very, very inspiring. And this is so rare that like meeting people that are actually capable of doing this, because normally you do have expectation, um, certain expectations towards life towards your partner, towards your family. And you may have those expectations, of course, I think everyone has them. But what's more important for you guys is to enjoy the little moments and to enjoy life and to spend life and the moment together. And that's something really, for me, unbelievable because um, I feel you, your spirit right now. And you are in, in the UK and I feel, I feel your feelings and I feel your emotions. And this is so amazing. And I, I just love having this conversation with you guys right now. Yeah, I've been with that. this is really nice for us to just 
you know, revisit memories and just talk to you and share our experiences as well. Yeah. And just helping us appreciate them more when we share them. And, you know, I, I also feel like one of the things that any good couple will have is sort of a commitment. When you look to the future, you know that there's so many challenges will come, right? Financial, emotional, social, governmental, because of this whole virus. But I think every good couple shares this one simple quality of committing to a relationship more than what's happening in the world. And I think when we, in the heart, made that commitment, like, okay, we'll make it work. You know what? So what if we get challenged emotionally, financially, socially, governmentally, whatever it takes, right? I think if you survive 10 months long distance during a period like this, then you make a sort of a commitment, like, we'll make it work. And I think that's very comforting to my heart, just to know that, okay, even if challenges come, then I have somebody with me who's going to stand next to me and look at me and say, we'll make it work. All right, we'll hold hands, we'll walk through it, we'll figure it out, we'll do it together. And that is, is a great source of just emotional and spiritual support. That's all I feel. Yeah. Yeah, we've definitely been through a lot in these 10 months. And, you know, it's not been easy, but just just the, just being together again and seeing how things could go in the future is inspiring to feel good. Yeah. What advice could you give to anyone who is in a long-distance relationship, who didn't manage to close the distance yet, or who is struggling with certain things that come with living or together in, as a multicultural couple? So is there anything you would say, okay, that's very important and hold on this? I mean, obviously, there is not a perfect guideline and those are the things you need to do or you have to do in specific situations. Um, because after uh, we talked to so many couples, we also learned that everyone is an individual, but then living together, even though now that we close the distance, um, it comes with several challenges. And as you said before, you always have to manage those challenges. It's just the matter of how you face them. And sticking together is very important, as you said before, Harry. But um, is there a certain thing you would like to, to share with anyone listening to the podcast right now that you think is very important and that you think multicultural couples or couples in long-distance relationships should focus on? For us, what kept us really strong um, you know, amongst the struggles and all the difficulties was we both had um, something in common, which is higher than all of these struggles, and that was our spiritual practice. And just having a higher purpose to work towards really helped us see all of the problems as something small and minor. Just to sort of support her point about having a common spiritual practice, you know, one of the things we would do together is, I guess my point, my one advice would be quality time. I think there is no replacement for quality time. And, and that means doing something together from a distance that you both really uh, enjoy and, and, and where your hearts can really meet. And so for us, it was our spiritual practice. We would meditate together. I would turn on my Zoom and she would be in the UK in her bedroom and I would be in my room in Chicago and we'd be meditating together. We would pray together. We would read spiritual texts together. We would scripture together and discuss our prayer, share our reflections and realizations. So that kind of quality time with the spiritual basis was definitely something that strengthened our relationship. Also another, I guess, if I'm not... I can't say I have advice because, you know, I'm all very young and we're just together for only a few years. So, and I'm sure a lot of couples have a lot of experiences. I'm sure you both have also struggled with, you know, distance and cultural differences and so many things. Um, but I guess one piece of advice I, I have for anybody who's in a long distance relationship is 
Long distance is a really good time to study if the person's personality and character is something you can really live with for the rest of your life. Because when you're so far away from someone, all you really have are their ideas and their feelings and the conversation. If that's not enough to sustain the relationship, you may have to ask yourself as individuals, are we in the right relationship? Because I do feel like people are meant to be together or they're not meant to be together. And there's no need to force something that's not meant to be, you know. So if two people thousands of miles away can sustain an emotional connection by conversation, by sharing ideas and inspiration, and are able to support each other emotionally and spiritually, and you know, like from a distance, like say, you know, Nacio, I think you were from Argentina, no? I think you're from Argentina. Yeah. Your One side. Right. So Argentina, yeah, and once upon a time, you know, and and you know, you're going through some stuff and you find that Tina's able to just by talking to you make you feel like, wow, I have somebody on my side, even though she's so far away. That is a very good example of strength in relationship. So I think couples who are long distance have a lot of distance to see, are we able to do that for each other? You know, and so it's it's a really good moment for actually reflection. You know, is this the kind of relationship I want to be in? Are we able to really support each other? Things are very different when you're physically in the same space, you know? So but I do think um, I, I would suggest that it's good for couples for long distance to find quality time and do something together with both find nourishment. And for us it would be spiritual practice, you know, meditate together, you know, um we pray together, we do spiritual gifts together. So other couples may find something else. You know, maybe you just paint together, maybe you play music together, maybe you I'm not sure, but I think people should find something that really nourishes them individually and do it together. So it feels like after you managed, I mean, you went a long way as well to summarize it. And after what you were just sharing with us, and even though if you freaked out in the beginning because the whole situation was completely new for you guys, you knew that you want to make it work because you felt this strong connection and you just wanted to see where this is going to lead you. And this, everything that happened, so basically what I live for um, or what we live for is like everything that happens, happens for a reason. And life might be challenging at some point, but as long as you have someone by your side who is strong enough to pull through it with you, you don't have to be afraid of anything. So it's incredible to see. And thank you so much for that advice because... We couldn't agree more. And this is actually also what we were doing the past few uh, years. And even though in our case, we don't know yet where we're going to live or what's going to expect us next, we do have a rough plan of where we see each other in the future time. But we also trust a lot on the fact that out of our experience, no matter what's going to happen, as long as we stick together, we'll be fine. So as long as we pull the same rope, as you would say in German, um, or pull on the same rope. So there's basically almost nothing that can happen to us. So we feel very strong. And this is something we built during the last years. So it wasn't always like this, to be honest. But we figured out that we can rely on each other 1000%. And we also learned to have a very, very, very open-minded communication. So very open communication. So uh, this helped us a lot as well. And this is something you have to learn. So it's not maybe for some couples, but at least not for us. It's nothing that's happening from the beginning. Um, 
it feels like in your case it was, to be honest, because it feels like you guys had a very open communication from the beginning because there was the spirit. Basically, you were surfing on the same wave and you felt that from the very first beginning. So that's very rare as well, if I might say so. And it's nice to, to see you guys um, knowing from the beginning, okay, there's something. Well, was, uh, I appreciate a lot of what you just said. You know, I especially appreciate this point about how you can discover that you can rely on each other. That's such a beautiful quality to have in a relationship. Also, this idea of being able to pull on the same rope. I love that expression. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, those are beautiful ideas you shared. And uh, I, think it, I think it's very nice because it shows that you put a lot of work into a relationship. Like you yeah. said, if you didn't have that same sort of understanding in the beginning and now you have it, a lot of work must have gone into that to come to this point. Yeah. You know, a lot of work must have gone into it. Yeah, a lot of work and a lot of trust. Trusting yourself and trusting each other. So, as I said, in our case, it wasn't, it was there, but not as strong as it's now. And uh, we learned a lot the last years. It's incredible. And we're still learning. Yes, yes. I don't think learning ever stops when you're in a relationship or growth. You just, you think you know it all, and then something new just throws itself at you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, guys, is there anything else you would like to share with uh, everyone who's listening right now? Um, I would say to anyone who is going through a long distance relationship right now, stay strong and the rewards are worth the wait. Honestly, if you find the right person, it's so worth it when you finally meet them and treasure every single moment you have with them. Because we're, we're thinking about when we're long distance again and I'm scared. What if there's more travel bans and stuff like that happening? So You never know when you're going to them again, so just treasure every moment. That's what I'd say. I would say figure out your love language because <laughs> that's going to save your relationship. If you guys have, if you are in a long-distance relationship and you have different love languages and you don't know that, it's going to create a lot of complications because, you know, one person, I don't know if, any, if you know what the love languages are, but, you know, the four primary love languages, I think five, right? Words of affirmation, uh, physical touch, acts of service, quality time, and what was the fifth one? Um, affirmation have you said that? I've said words of affirmation. Do you guys know yes. the fifth yeah, gift giving? Gift giving. So for example, like you know, um so so for example, say you're long distance and your girlfriend's always sending you gifts, you know, where you are, and this is her love language, she's expecting to be loved back in the same way. And your love language is quality time. So you think, well, I spent an hour with her on the phone, and she's thinking, knock, knock, oh, he sent me flowers. Oh, no, he didn't send me flowers, <laughs> not again. So, you know, knowing that this is what someone's expecting can really save us from a lot of complications in a long distance relationship or even in a distance person to person relationship. Just knowing your partner's love language, you know, uh, I feel like for us, it took a lot of work. Yeah, it was, um, it was tough. You know, it we, was tough. we had different love languages. We had different love languages for sure. And so, so understanding that, that this is how I express love and this is how I expect to be loved and this is how she expresses love and she expects to be loved was a journey for both of us. And I think once we find that, it makes the relationship a lot smoother. And it helps us appreciate yeah. the other person's love more as well because you know that this is them expressing their love when they show you right. their love language. Right. And um, yeah, you appreciate more and you kind of know what to expect when you express your love to them in your love language as well. And I'll agree. So is there anything yeah. you would like to add, Nacho? No, I mean, I would like to say thank you so much for participating for this podcast. Um, episode and you know your story is very inspiring definitely um even though harry you may not have wanted to you know pick up on 
the love call in the first uh, moment. You both definitely kept hoping for it, and eventually, well, yeah, I mean, the right moment came. Yeah, and you and it happened. Appreciated it, and it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much to both of you for bringing all of this out of us and for giving us a space to talk about our relationship and share our experiences. We really appreciate this space that you've created for not just us, but hundreds of other couples. It's a really wonderful service, especially at a time like this. We need stories of inspiration and hope. And, you know, I, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. It's really beautiful. Yeah, it definitely kept me strong throughout the last days when I was, when the days were getting closer and closer to us meeting, I was getting more and more anxious and hearing your podcast, just honestly, Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Um, so for everyone who's listening, where can they find you guys to participate in your story, basically? Voyage of Two Souls. We're on Instagram and we have our own accounts as well. But Voyage of Two Souls is where we are together. So we will put that in the side notes uh, for everyone who's interested in where The next month are going to lead you guys. We are super excited. We hope we stay in touch. Thank you so much for participating, um, for being open to, yeah, getting interviewed in our podcast. It was a pleasure to meet you, to listen to the whole story mm. and have a lovely evening. Yeah, it's 7 p.m. in the US right now, uh, in, in, the in the UK, sorry. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Take hey. care. Bye. Bye-bye. What an amazing story. I don't know what you think. So for everyone who's listening to it right now, there's just one thing we'd like to let you know. We didn't have a prank call with Shahana and Hari. So for us, it was also the first time listening to their whole story and they left us with goosebumps so many times especially seeing them together was just incredible so Nat and I we were super energized after the call we sensed their energy and also the fact that they were attracted to each other from the beginning and they both tried to deny it is incredible they managed to get together they are going to get married and yeah we are so excited for them to see What's going to be next? We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did while talking to them. Feel free to contact us if anything on Facebook or Instagram on International Love Story. And also, of course, feel free to contact Jana and Hari. We will put every link in the side notes for you guys to look it up. And in our next episode, we're going to talk to Vasha. Vasha is a relationship coach and the five love languages is just one among a lot of topics we're going to talk about with her. So stay tuned and listen to our next episode on the 27th of January. Please take care and hear you soon. Bye!